Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. Maureen McCormick is my guest today. I am so excited for this show, you guys. I had such a fun talk with her, and you're going to get to hear it in just a few minutes here. Maureen, of course, played Marsha Brady on The Brady Bunch and all the various spinoffs that came later, The Brady Brides and A Very Brady Christmas and all that fun stuff. But in a surprising twist of fate, she is now an HGTV personality, which I just think is so cool. Of course, all the Brady kids were involved in a very Brady renovation that happened in 2019, where HGTV bought the old Brady Bunch house. This is the facade that was used for exterior shots on the show. It's a house in Studio City that was a split level, and they decided to completely renovate it and make it look like the interior shots that were done on a stage at Paramount, which... If you've ever watched even like a second of the Brady Bunch, this used to bother me as a kid that like there's no way that the house that we saw on TV could possibly be the same inside and out, like just where the front door was and where the upstairs was, like the upstairs was to the left as you walked in the front door. And when you walked onto the stage, the interior, you come in the front door, the stairs are in front of you and they went up to who knows where, right? So even as a kid, it was one of those illogical TV houses, but I got to say, when that house went up for sale, Lance Bass was the original high bidder. And then somebody swooped in at the time. It was a mystery that outbid him. And there was some social media uproar about it. And then it turned out that HGTV was the buyer. And I'm on the record. Go back and look at my Twitter. I was not a fan of that idea. I was really worried that HGTV was going to come in and you know, just put up some 70s paint colors and, you know, some flower decals and, you know, the word groovy written on the wall, <laughs> something like that. I just imagined like a complete bastardization of that house. And where they ended up is just so perfect. They accurately recreated every inch of that set. And somehow they managed to cram it into this facade that was the original house. They added an addition off the back. They dug down. It was very This Old House for me. It reminded me a lot of what a This Old House project would entail, except the end goal was to recreate a set, which like was so cool. And, you know, Maureen was very involved with it. She helped them figure out the right wallpaper and, you know, shop for the right furnishings. And it was just a really fun project to see come together. And then since that time, Maureen worked on a series with Eve Plum, her Brady co-star, called Design at Your Door which was done during the early days of the pandemic. It was all done over Zoom, and they helped people design their houses with a couple of their HGTV personalities completely remotely, which was a fun concept for that time. And now Maureen has a new show that's actually coming to Discovery Plus, which is Discovery's new streaming service that launches today. And this series is called Frozen in Time. So it's a really fun show. Maureen and her co-host Dan Vickery go to houses that are frozen in basically like the 50s, 60s, 70s, that era, and renovate them to meet modern needs while still keeping some of the character that made that period house unique intact. So honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect in talking to Maureen. As you may know, I worked at this old house for about 15 years. I was a producer over there and produced Ask This Old House for a long time. And I didn't know, like, was Maureen really into this stuff? Or was she just there because, you know, HGTV did the Brady House two years ago now? 
And it turns out she is really, really into this. I mean, like home stuff and antiques, furniture, design, it is in her blood. And it is so cool just to hear her talk about what home means to her and her different senses of home over the years and how she's tried to make her current house a home. So if you told me that I was going to talk to the woman who played Marsha Brady, first of all, like five-year-old, 10-year-old me would not believe it because, of course, I grew up with the Brady Bunch and reruns and just that show is part of my DNA. But I never would have thought that if I talked to her, a lot of the conversation would be about houses and homes and renovations and antiques and that kind of stuff. And it was, and it's awesome. So I'm excited to share it with you. Check out Frozen in Time on Discovery+. Plus. This is Discovery's new streaming platform, and it's taking the best shows from HGTV, Food Network, TLC, Discovery, all the shows that you love, plus a bunch of new exclusives. They're all right in this one app, and you can watch it on your phone, on your TV, whatever. It all launches today, so go check it out. All right, here it is, my interview with Maureen McCormick. Well, Maureen, I want to start by just asking sort of the general question about these past, I guess, almost 10 months now of, you know, this quarantine pandemic period. What has, uh, what has that time been like for you? It's been very challenging. I never thought in my wildest dreams that we would be going through something like this altogether as a world. It's been sad seeing so many people losing loved ones and just trying to stay positive and keep moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other, trying to stay safe, stay in contact with loved ones that we're desperately missing. Very challenging. How has that manifested itself for you, just sort of that you know, the, that need to get up every day and just, you know, oh, we're, we're still in this. This is, uh, this is going to be going for a while. When everything first happened, I was in shock. Yeah. And watching the news 24-7, wondering what to do, right? how to keep loved ones safe. My daughter is in another country. So that has been really difficult, but thank goodness we do have technology where you can see your loved ones on your phone. Right. Before this happened, I really never used that technology because I'm really old fashioned and there's something that's always been very strange to me about seeing somebody (laughs) on a phone instead of just talking to them. I grew up with a phone on a wall or connected to an outlet. Right. And I'm used to that. And just, I love actually just hearing a voice and, and concentrating on that instead of the whole visual with it too. It's just something that is very familiar to me. I definitely feel the same way. Like I, it's part of the reason I like doing this podcast over the phone, honestly, is like, I don't know for you, but I feel when I'm on like a FaceTime or a Zoom, there's a part of me that gets performative in a way. I'm, I'm just very aware that I'm on screen and that people are looking back at me and it, it changes my posture. I, I kind of force myself to smile 
And in doing that, I realize I'm not listening in the same way that I am if it's just a voice. Do you get that way? Is that it? Sort of sounds like you're sort of describing the same thing, maybe. I totally agree with you. I really do. I love hearing a voice, being able to concentrating on it, not not having a camera on myself, but just really be able to listen. So during this pandemic, it's been amazing to see my daughter's face and to see her husband and, you know, to have a visual Yeah. because never before did that mean so much to me. I have a brother who, before the pandemic, it was, was with my husband and I every weekend at our house. Uh, we were spending a lot of time with him. I became his conservator in 2004 when my mother passed away and we've kind of become his mom and dad. Right. And that's been very difficult because Denny doesn't really understand what a pandemic is. We don't want to put any fear into him because he has a tendency to worry and sometimes get afraid easily, but we've been able to visit him in his home and see him through glass, which is crazy because here I am touching his hands through glass and not being able to hug him and hugs are a big part of our world. Sure. It's soothing. It's comforting. So that's been really challenging, but the whole thing has been, and I have to say, I went through a really difficult time in all of this where I found myself at one point not wanting to get out of bed. Mm. And I said, okay, you know where this is going. This is not good. I need to force myself out of bed. And I started running again, which I hadn't done because I was hearing so many things on the TV you know, like saying, don't go outside in the beginning, stay inside your house. So I was doing that. I was wanting to follow every direction that we were being given to stay safe. And so I wasn't leaving the house. And that started just being really difficult because I, I need fresh air. So does my husband. We both love hiking and getting out in nature. And I find so much soothingness for the soul when I'm outside. And so does he. Right. And that's something that we've always shared together. We love bird watching. We love looking at all the different kinds of and varieties of plants that are the state flowers and plants of California. And we love exercising together. And when I wasn't doing that, I found my endorphins not being so happy. And I knew that I needed to just push myself and, and get outside again. And it's funny when, when it first happened and I said, honey, will you come with me? I, I've got to get outside. I was afraid to be near anybody exercising because, you know, they said, you have to, you know, stay so far apart. Right. So I drove around one day and I found this business center, big 
asphalt parking lot that was near our house and it was closed. Right. I thought, wow, there's a lot of black <laughs> Nobody, and, and trails near our house had been closed. Right. So my husband, who's from Minnesota and is a real outdoorsy guy, was like, you're driving me to a parking lot? <laughs> this, this does not sound good. But I have to tell you, we went to this parking lot and we were walking and started running again together. And we found so much happiness in this asphalt parking lot. That's great. It's, yeah. What I love is where we are finding our happiness now, which is really what the places that we have always found our happiness together. But you have to really kind of be resourceful now and, and think of sometimes new options, which we love doing. It's funny also during this this time, I discovered a show on TV called Ted Lasso. Oh, sure, yeah. It really has brought me a lot of happiness. It's it's a very positive show. I think this show would would be good at any time at all on TV because I think it's really well written, well acted, well done. But finding it now has been incredible for the two of us. I love the characters. It seems like right now in the world, there's there's so much division and there's a lot of division on Ted Lasso and everyone is so different, which we all are, but they're finding a commonality and a way to work through things, which we really need to do right now as a nation, as, as a world. Yeah. I, I haven't seen Ted Lasso yet, but I've I've heard a lot of good things about it. Like it, it sounds like a really great show. Yeah. I agree. Just like... I don't know how we're going to get over that hump of like, I feel like we are all, you know, 75% similar, you know, some high number like that, but we're really just focusing on, on that little bit of difference, that sliver of difference that we all have. And that's just become, you know, sort of everybody's mentality now. And it's, I don't know how we, how we fix that, how we get beyond that. Right. You know, I think about that every day. I was brought up by a mom and dad that were always trying to bring everyone together. They taught me that we really need to celebrate each other and we need to celebrate our differences and accept one another. And sometimes when we try to change people, we'll only push them further away. So I believe that we really need to learn how to talk in new ways to hear each other's hearts. I do believe deep down people are good right? and we need to really try to find that in each other and go from there because that when we find that commonality, we let down our barriers. Even if we, disagree. So I think that can be an opening. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just interesting too, like sort of thinking about, you know, the arc of your career and, you know, like looking back on, you know, a Brady Bunch era when there were, you know, three television networks and we were all kind of watching the same things. And, you know, there was, there was evening news and, and that was about it. And now like, it's so easy to go into just your own 
little media sphere and not just news, but like entertainment. And, you know, there, there's just so many different things that none of us are experiencing. I mean, you're talking about Ted Lasso and I'm like, I've heard about it. I haven't watched it yet. And like that just, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. Like if there was a new show on TV, everybody was talking about it the next day. And there there was some commonality, I guess, to our experience. And now, you know, you can watch a, a highly produced network show or you can watch a TikTok video or YouTube or, you know, whatever, and just get lost in any of those different rabbit holes and not have have any sort of common language with anyone else that that's around you. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that happening right now. I think sometimes there can be too much. Yeah. I think that it's really good to sometimes disconnect from all of that and go back to the basics in life that are so important. My husband and I um, have been, taking a lot of drives together. We get in the car and just drive and yeah. talk and look at the scenery and look at the sky and listen to music. Music always is really good for the two of us. It just brings us together. Right. So we need to find those things that bring us together. Food. Food can bring us together making things can bring you together. Just, you know, good, simple, basic things. Yeah. I feel like in this time, I don't know about you, but it sounds like you're describing this in in a lot of ways too. Like, you know, I feel like I've almost gone back to this, not quite little house on the prairie lifestyle, but like darn near close to it, I guess, of like, I'm, you know, I'm baking my own breads. And, you know, like you, I've I've been taking walks. I, I take my uh, seven-year-old daughter out for hikes once a week. Uh, we just have a little nature preserve near us. And I'm I'm much more aware of the subtle changes week to week of just, you know, how the seasons change, how the light changes. And these are things that I, I didn't have time to pay attention to before. Like that, to me, when I think of like the silver lining and all this of like, you know, what brings me joy during this time? What what do I want to take with me into my life once this is all over? It's those experiences. It's that reconnecting with nature and sort of the the elemental uh, parts of being a human, I guess. Yeah, those those are the things that for sure bring my husband and I joy. And, and those were the things that my parents, thank goodness, taught me when I was younger. And sometimes we have a tendency in life to get away from those, but but hopefully we find a way back because I really think that at the core of what really does bring happiness in life to people. Yeah. I really would love to see in this new year the world come together, America come together and and be kinder to one another. We're always going to have differences. We're always, none of us are, are going to always believe like, you know, like another person believes, but it's really important that we find a common ground and, and respect and love one another. Yeah. We need to work together. Yeah. We really do. And, you know, I, I just sort of on this whole theme, I guess, of, you know, bringing people together, 
I feel like that is something HGTV has done really well during this time. I feel like a lot a lot of people are watching <laughs> a lot more of the network. And it's interesting to me just to sort of to have seen your evolution in that, um, you know, starting with with the very Brady renovation. And then, you know, you and Eve Plum did this series design at your door during the pandemic. And you've got this new series frozen in time that's, you know, coming out now. Like, for you, I guess, what, what was the attraction to wanting to work in, in home improvement television? I actually have always loved home improvement. I grew up in a house where home was so important to my mom and dad. They loved everything home. They never had a lot of money, but they always made the best with every penny that they <laughs> saved. And believe me, my parents saved their pennies. Uh-huh. My mother clipped every coupon she could find. There were four kids. My father was a school teacher. And they were so proud when they saved and could buy a house. I mean, I wish houses were the same prices <laughs> that they were back then. Right. It's so crazy now. It just blows my mind at the cost of a house. And sometimes I just feel like leaving California because it's, you, you can get so much more land and house in, in so many areas throughout the country. So home was very, very important to them. My father loved cooking whenever people would come over. He would just go into the kitchen and throw ingredients together and make the most amazing food. He was actually in the Navy and was a, uh, a cook oh, cool. on, on a ship. Yeah. My grandfather was too, actually. That's so interesting. You're kidding. Yeah. He was a cook in the Navy? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I love that. I'll bet he was a good cook. He was, yeah. He was Filipino, and he was born, he was very old when he had my dad. So he was born in, I think, 1898 or 1899. And back then, the Philippines were part of the U.S. when he Mm -hmm. was, you know, 17, 18. So he was able to join the U.S. Navy as a way to get out of the Philippines and, uh, you know, get his U.S. citizenship and stuff. So he learned to cook on uh, on Navy ships. And then, you know, his career post-Navy was like working in, you know, he was like a line cook in hotels and things like that. Oh, my gosh. I love that story. Ooh, I would have loved one of his meals. Yeah, for sure. That's so cool. So my mom and dad loved home so much. My mom loved gardening and, and being outside. And they loved old American classic furniture uh-huh. and antique and vintage pieces. And they gave me that love where you would open a drawer and see the dovetailing and every piece of furniture seems to have a story and they love those stories and they gave me that love. I always have loved going into old homes. I would look at at pictures of their old homes that they grew up in when, when I was little. And I've always dreamed of having a really beautiful old historic home. I don't live in one. Our home is from the 80s. And one of the first things I did when we got it was put wainscoting on the walls and trim here and try to design old bookshelves and built-ins that looked like they were old. I love that. So, yeah. And I, I just was so passionate when we moved in here to try to make it look like it was 
older. Right. And and that's still a dream I have one day is to live in a beautiful old home with a ton of history. But you know, we we've made our own history in in the home that we have and have so many amazing memories here because it's the home that my daughter was born in mm. and it's it's a home both of my parents were still alive when we found this home and they helped us find it oh awesome yeah so there's just so many memories here which are what a home is all about yeah I, I'm, I'm really interested that you, you grew up with a taste for old furniture only because I feel like, you know, as as you were a kid, like in the in the 60s and 70s, that wasn't what was trendy. Like it was a lot of it, it was sort of the beginning of that, you know, that plastic era and, you know, Formica and, you know, just, I, I don't think of of the furnishings that were trendy then as being as being lasting. And it's it's just interesting that you grew up with an appreciation for stuff that was kind of the generation before. Well, my mother was from Iowa, Mm. and she just had it in her blood, her love for beautiful old furniture that was built to last. Right. And I recently went to a family reunion of all of her relatives, my cousins. It was so beautiful, and we were in Burlington, Iowa together, and we all went into this house. My mother was raised by an aunt and uncle. Her parents died when when she was fairly young. And as a thank you to her aunt and uncle, she bought them this beautiful mahogany bedroom set. And it was still in this house. And I cried touching the posts of this bed and, wow. and the dressers, knowing that this was a set that my mom picked out for this family and that it was still there and that it will live on. And I just, I felt so close to my mother, although I feel close to her (laughs) with every breath I take. Right. So anyway, just to be in this house, to climb the stairs that my mother would climb every day and touch the railing. And to go into her bedroom that she lived in and to be around all these people was just one of the highlights of my life. My husband was with me and it just was one of the most beautiful trips I've ever been on. Uh, we, we went all around Burlington, Iowa and visited. I, I saw the first house that my parents bought. Oh, wow. In Iowa. And my mother always loved the salt box Uh style of house. Yeah, with the long roof I can see that in so many pictures, Yeah, old black and white pictures that I have of her and my father. Oh, that's awesome. So we went back and stood in front of this house. I'm telling you, I did not want to leave this house. Yeah. I really didn't. And I wanted to go knock on the door and, and find out you know, who was living there and what they were up to. I love stories Yeah, with houses. Yeah. So I didn't, but I, I took my own picture. Yeah. It's funny. Like, it sounds like this, this is a house that you didn't know. Like, you only knew it through pictures and stuff, right? You hadn't actually ever been inside. Right. Yeah. 
like just but which one are you talking about? The one that my mom threw up in, or the one that they no, had bought? The one that in, yeah, the one that they had Iowa. bought. The one that they had bought that you wanted to knock on the door on and all that was that was not a house you'd been in. You only sort of knew it through through her memories. Exactly. I've never been there, and my husband and I were driving around for so long trying to find it. Yeah, and when we found it, I just I started crying. Yeah, knowing how much it meant to them. Home was so important to my mom and dad. Right. They really always made our home so important. There was always a swing on the front porch or mm. a bench. Yeah. And we would always gather at that place in the house. My father would hand make pieces on not the best equipment <laughs> uh, because mm, they didn't have a lot of money. Right. And I'm sure he would buy all of the tools his garage at garage sales. Everything we bought when I was growing up was from a garage sale or they would call them estate sales. Yeah, sure. And my parents were so proud of the furniture that they would find for really great deals. And I have so many of these pieces now in my house. Oh, wow. That we would find. I mean, we spent every week and my mom, it was so cute. She would go through a paper called the Valley Green Sheet, uh-huh. and she would circle all the garage sales that were happening that day, and we would go to them. And this is before GPS or anything, so you, you'd have to kind of plot it like on a physical map or something to figure out where you're going, right? Oh, they were so cute. They loved doing this. And sometimes we would stay home, and they would come back and we were all like, oh, what treasure did they find today? It was so cute. Well, and I read in your book, too, that 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 was something that you reconnected with your mom on years later, that, you know, that that became an activity that you two did together, was going out to to garage sales and estate sales and thrift stores and things like that, right? Oh, they were some of our happiest times. And the wonderful thing is about that, you never know what you're going to find. And at one point, I would buy stuff actually too much just because, oh my gosh, this is such a great deal. I've got to have it. And, you know, I hadn't uh, measured and I didn't really have the right place for it. it. So now I really try to make sure that I do when I do that. But I, I love the stories behind all of these old pieces and wondering about who had them and how they used it. And you just, you can't find things like that anymore in in stores where things are mass produced. Right. And I just, I feel like old things have a lot more charm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, and I feel like, I don't know about you, but like I have this impulse sometimes when I see something where I'm like, they only made, you know, X number of these, whatever, 40, 50 years ago. How many have been thrown away or broken or like, if I don't buy this and like it goes in the trash, like no one's ever going to see this amazing thing. Like I, that, that sort of goes through my head when I'm in antique stores and stuff. Oh, I agree. To me, there's something about the finish of an old piece. Mm, I mean, that wood has been around forever or that porcelain or whatever it's made of, uh, the quilt, the threads, the hand, the hand stitching. Right. I love seeing that something is handmade. The patina on an old piece of wood. 
how do you get that anymore? I, I keep hoping that somehow we will be able to. And I do think that certain things, they're, they're being able now to make the finishes much better, but like marble, real marble. There's nothing like real marble. I mean, the fake marble now, they still haven't perfected a great uh, fake marble that looks real. Right. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, you can tell. And and there is something, especially when you talk about stones and stuff, of like, this thing has been, you know, in the earth for thousands of years. <laughs> and like, you know, you look at like a hundred year old, you know, a, a little, I don't know, a, a marble paperweight or something. And you're like, okay, that sat in the earth for 5,000 years. And then somebody mined it a hundred years yeah. ago and carved it into this thing. And like, you know, you, you can't just like throw that in a dumpster. It's like, there, there's so much... I don't know, time and energy that you, that you can just see when you look at a piece like that. I agree. I live in California and I see so often so many homes being torn down. Sure. And it just, it breaks my heart because it's like they're putting up these big kind of palaces yep. that are so cold yeah. and have no personality. So that always breaks my heart. Because once it's gone, it's gone. Right. You can't bring it back. So let's preserve our history and all of that. Because seriously, one time, it's all going to be gone. Right. Well, that's, you know, I'm curious with Frozen in Time, like, just walking into some of these houses and seeing them often in, in preserved states, almost. I mean, like, they're almost like museum quality, although they're just not fit for today's living. Like, I wonder sort of how you balance you know, that, that feeling of like, oh my God, we should be setting up like, you know, barriers and charging admission for people to come see this house, but a family needs to have a practical life here too. Right. Yeah. You know, th there's definitely a balance. And what's great is walking into these homes, hearing the stories of why these people have these homes, what their needs are, what they want, what they've been having problems with. Yeah, and then sometimes you know when you when you get into the walls and and the piping and the ceiling, you never know, of course, what you're going to find. And a lot of times there's damage, and you have to redo things. But to me, when you go into these old homes, you want to keep the heart of the home. You want to preserve the beautiful things about those periods. Yeah. So. It's always challenging and it's so wonderful to see the people after the, the, the changes have been made and see how they can now live in the homes in a new way where they can really use them yeah. and enjoy them more. Because I, I think it's really challenging sometimes when there are tons of walls and certain walls have not been uh, taken down yep. and you want a house to flow. So there's, to me, there's always a real challenge there. I think sometimes you can have a house that's too open where everything is just too open. And, and, and I think there's a real beauty in separate rooms. Yeah. I've definitely learned that in this time. Like our, my house is from 1910 and it's a lot of small 
individual oh, rooms. Oh, you guy. Well, that's like during this pandemic, you know, I've got two kids and my wife here and like, it's been nice that we can kind of break off into our separate areas versus, you know, if we had a big open concept, uh-huh. like, you know, if one person's watching TV and someone else is cooking it, like that could be bothersome. But here it's like, okay, everyone can go to their own little corner. And then when we're ready to come together, you know, the dining room's in the heart of the home and most of the activity happens around the dining room table. But, you know, if I want to go read a book somewhere, I can go off separately or, you know, my daughter can go play in her room. And like, it's, it's just nice. And, and I didn't appreciate that as much until we've, we've been spending, you know, 24 seven in this house for months. Right. So your house is, is from 1910 and you live back East, right? East? Yeah. I'm in Massachusetts, uh, just outside of Boston. Oh my gosh. Like what a dream. So what, what style house is it? It's, it's a gable front house. Um, I guess they call it a farmhouse, really. Um, we live not far from an old railroad station. There was a railroad depot uh, in the town and um, kind of a little community mm-hmm. sprung up around that. And what we were told from the realtor, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but the ho- our house and the house next door are almost identical. And he said that they were built in 1910 for workers on the railway. And it makes sense. Like the the finishes aren't super elaborate. It's not you know like like the Victorian era was right before it, and you know things are super ornate during that time. We we have none of that, and we didn't get any of the sort of arts and crafts or craftsman um, influence that came a little later. But it's just you know like all of the uh-huh. door trim is just it's all square stock. <laughs> There's no fancy trim or anything. Uh, the flooring is all wide plank pine. Yeah. Um, but it's it's beautiful and it's comfortable yeah. oh, and it's God. functional and you know people have raised kids here for generations and now we're doing it and like it's very homey, which I love. It sounds really beautiful. I sometimes think that the most beautiful things are those really simple homes. Yeah. Do you have a favorite era of housing or favorite favorite style? Old. <laughs> Old. <laughs> Just, you know, it, it's funny because I love so many of the styles. Yeah. So it depends on my mood. I'm just a girl who loves beautiful, old, historic homes. Yeah. And I love so many of the styles. I really do. At one time, I probably would have said mm, farmhouse, colonial, uh, just that simple, beautiful American style, a house with a porch all the way around it. Yeah. But, you know, I love, I love old Spanish homes now. Sure. I love so many different styles. I could live definitely back in the Midwest in a second. My husband and I, we love doing car trips, uh-huh. <laughs> and those have been some of our best trips in the world. One of the last ones that we did, our daughter was with us, and we were driving through Iowa and Kansas and Minnesota and going through cornfields and singing all those, the corn is as high as an elephant's eye, and just <laughs> having the best time together. Oh, that's great. And and looking. I mean, this country is so beautiful. Yeah. I always am amazed at all the beauty in this country. And I love how every state is different mm, and right. how there's different style houses in each state. And I just, I feel like there's so much still that I want to see 
um, because there's so much beauty, so much beauty in this, in this world. Well, that's like when I think of my time, you know, I I was at this whole house for 15 years and like the best thing about that job was that you could go into people's houses all across the country. Like, you know, when you go on vacation somewhere, unless you're visiting family, like I guess Airbnb has changed that a little bit. But for the most part, like, you know, you're in, I don't know, Hampton Inn or something. And like you go to the museums and you go (laughs) whatever, see a concert, you know, like you go do the cultural things, but you don't really get a sense of like what people's houses look like. And just to like, to be able to go in for an afternoon Mm -hmm. and like, you know, just see what people have on their bookshelves or like what they collect or, you know, it's it's so fascinating. I agree. I'm, I love that so much. I seriously could drive around the country everywhere and just look at all of these houses. And I, I could, and days on end just going into them and looking. Yeah. I mean, that is artwork to me. Those are museums. Those are our history. And I hope that people preserve them and that they're here forever. Yeah. I'll tell you, when you were talking about, you know, going back to Iowa and, and seeing the family houses and stuff, it reminded me of going back to my childhood home in Ohio. Uh, I grew up outside of Cleveland in a like 1926, 1928 house, something like that. And um, we had moved the, moved away from there and went back, I don't know, maybe five, 10 years later and decided to knock on the door and just, you know, see if the owners would let us in. And we had sold the house to them. We knew them. And uh, I was with with my family. My dad and I wanted to go in and see it. My mom and sister had no interest in seeing it. Um, And there was something (laughs) weird about like being in it in that like it wasn't the house I remembered at all. They had already done uh, a fair amount of changes to it. But I was so in love with the changes where I was just like, oh, this is a perfect color for this room. And like, of course, you added crown molding to the living room. Yeah, that was missing. That looks so much better. You know, like. It's interesting just to wow. see a new family starting over and, you know, they had, I don't know, maybe like a three and five year old or something, like little, little kids um, when we had toured it. And just to to remember for me, I spent 17 or 18 years in that house, like the process of growing up and then seeing that start completely fresh in a very different way, like, and, and I, it made me so happy that it wasn't a museum piece to, to my childhood, but like instead was really dynamic and and could could adapt to a new family. That is so amazing that you could see that because yeah. I, you know, I could see it going both ways right. for people like, oh, and that's so great. In fact, I have to say that that happens a lot of times for us on Frozen in Time for Dan and I, because we'll go into some of these homes and one of the people want to change the house and the other one is very reluctant. But then once some changes are made, like they are actually sometimes pushed to see things in a new way and to experience them in a new way. And it's beautiful when that happens and it can be actually much better. Right. And it's something that I don't really think you know until you're in that situation and you go through it emotionally. Yeah, Because homes are so emotional. I'm very emotional about my past and my history. It means so much to me. And that is so interesting about what you said and, and how you saw it as 
as really positive and great. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm dying to go back into one of the very first homes that I grew up in, in California. It's off of Topanga Canyon uh-huh. and in, in a place called Woodland Hills. And I grew up in this home. My, my father was teaching school and it was in this home that my father, he was raising four kids. So he decided to become a realtor or a, a real estate, uh, to sell real estate because he needed to make extra money raising four kids. And he was delivering milk. He had a milk route <laughs> okay. and he had a new newspaper route that we all helped on and we helped with the delivering the milk. And then he got into real estate and we started every weekend, the whole family piling into our pink Studebaker (laughs) and looking at open houses. Uh And I have the best memories of that. We would just go look at houses all day and go into these houses and dream. Yeah. And, uh, Anyway, I would love to go back into the house that all of that like happened in. And I've actually thought, oh, I would love to buy that house. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so curious about what changes have been made, but right. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to see them. Right. But maybe it's still the same. I, I have no idea. And maybe it is better. If you If you bought it, would you want it to be the same house or would you want it to be more modern or would you want to renovate it yourself? Well... So in this house, I remember walking in, everything was, it wasn't the wide plank pine floors like you have in your house. Yeah. It was the thin, uh, thin pine planks okay. of flooring and all, all of the ceilings had the most beautiful pine on the ceiling. Wow. And I would, I remember laying in my bed at night and just dreaming of what I would see, shape oh, and sure. design. Yeah. In the knots in, and everything? Yeah. Oh, cool. And I remember getting under this beautiful pine desk that was small, that was by a wall heater, and going under there with my brothers and trying to stay warm. Oh. <laughs> I remember a tree in the backyard where my father put a piece of wood and that was that was our treehouse. Uh-huh. Just just a plank of, of wood. But it was the best treehouse in the world. <laughs> yeah, use your imagination oh, as a kid. I so love many that. great memories. We've we've got to wrap it up, but I, I have to ask quickly just about a very Brady renovation because I feel like some of those themes sort of tie into what we're talking about, about just, you know, going back to a house and reliving certain things. Like I just what was that experience like? That must have just been the strangest thing to walk into the final version of that house. Yeah, that was crazy. When I first arrived, I remember the first day driving up to this house and I had never been there. I had seen it all over social media and I saw people posting pictures occasionally saying, Oh, look, I'm in front of the Brady house. Yeah. But to me, it really was never the Brady house. The Brady house was on stage five at Paramount studios where I got to go every day and hang out with people that I love and make this fun show. So that's, that's where all my memories were. And when I first drove up to the house that day, 
I recognized the front, but things were different. And there was this weird fence or wall in front of it, which didn't seem very inviting. And when I walked in, nothing was like what I remembered on stage five. And I thought, how is this going to happen? It might happen and it might be cool, but it will never, it'll never really be what stage five looked like. Right. Well, by the time we got done with that, and then at one point, none of us could go back in. They wanted us to be surprised. Right. I was blown away. And I had this out-of-body experience. I, I remember getting goosebumps. Like, I felt the hair standing up on my arms. Right. And my heart, just, it was crazy, the reaction that I had. I walked in that front door and was standing on the landing. And I visually saw Florence and Bob sitting in two chairs Mm. and Annie coming in from the kitchen in her blue outfit with the white apron with a pot and a, and a wooden spoon. And I, I seriously saw them and I looked around and I, I could, feel the crew members. I could feel our parents, our families. It was so bizarre. Wow. It was so crazy. It was amazing. Was there ever a point, like I read your book and I know you've, you've sort of struggled with like being too identified with Marsha or, or being compared to her or just, you know, it, it was a character that you played, you know, 50 years ago. And like, was there ever a point when this pitch first came in that you were just like, Oh, another Brady thing. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, w- was there any reluctance or were you ready to jump in like from day one? So, you know, there was a point um, where I was like, Oh, you know, don't want to be around the Brady bunch because you know, when you're an actor, you want to play different roles. I love challenges and, sure. and you know, that's why I got into the industry. That's what I love doing. But I learned how great, really, the show was. And it really, it does mean so much to me. It was really kind of a, a launching pad for, for all of us. Yeah. And it's so wonderful that the show is so loved by so many people. And I've grown to love it more and more. And I think you get to a point in your life where hopefully, you can really embrace your past and embrace those things that are a special part of your life. And so when, when we were asked to do it, um, I was at a great place with, with all of my past yeah. and had had just so many amazing things happen to me because of the show. And I've met and made so many wonderful friends because of it that will always be in my heart. And my whole thing has been for years, if we do anything, Brady, it has to be special because I, I feel very protective of what the show was Mm. and just kind of in a really pure sense, just what the show emulated and I want to protect that and I just think whatever is done with the show it should be clever and done right yeah 
So when HDTV approached me and told me about it, I loved the whole home space. Homes have always meant a lot to me. And I thought, hmm, how, how in the heck are they ever going to be able to do this? But I love HDTV. I love what they do. And I thought, this sounds great. Yeah. So I'm really happy that, that I was involved with it. I'm so happy that America loved it. I'm thrilled that it was nominated. We didn't win, but how great that we were nominated and that so many people love the show. And I think that's what I love most about the show is that it just makes people happy. It makes people you know, have a smile in their heart. And we need a lot more of that in this world. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I feel like it's uh I feel like we're kind of full circle here of talking about you know, for you preserving, preserving the past relative to the Brady Bunch, but that applies to, uh, to old houses that applies to old furniture and knickknacks, <laughs> you know, it's everything we've been talking about today. So it feels like a great place to end it. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because when, when I was little, I mean, those were all the things that, that my parents taught me and it's just so great. I, I feel very, very blessed that those are the things that now mean the most to me. Mm. And, and those were really what, what meant the most, you know, in, in all the morals of, of the Brady Bunch. Right. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. And, and our, our new show, Frozen in Time, that's what it's all about, too. So it does feel full circle in a great, great, crazy way. All right, there we go. Maureen McCormick. Wow. How fun was that? It's funny, I felt like an instant connection to her, an instant bond. And I wonder if she gets that a lot in her life, just because, you know, people have grown up watching her and, you know, obviously I've seen her in the Brady Bunch and now all this HGTV stuff. Like, people, I'm sure, feel like they know her. But there was something about just being able to talk with somebody who clearly has a lot of the same passions and interests as you do and feeling like, oh, wow, like, she gets it. That's really cool. So yeah, I enjoyed that conversation a lot. And thank you, Maureen, for doing that. Frozen in Time premieres today, January 4th on Discovery+. Plus. Check out Discovery Plus to stream all your favorite shows from HGTV, Food Network, TLC, Discovery, all sorts of other stuff. It's all in there on that app. All right. I have new shows every Monday and Thursday. On Thursday's show, I have an amazing conversation coming up with Craig Dentrone. He's actually the showrunner of PBS's American Portrait. Part of that is a series that's going to premiere this Tuesday, the 5th at 9 p.m. on PBS. So make sure you, you watch that first part. It's a four-part docuseries, but it's even a bigger digital project. And you know the whole goal of American Portrait was to try to figure out what it means to be an American right now. And they have voices from all over the country, from every state, from every territory as well. And in the documentary, they actually focus on a couple of stories per episode, as well as bringing in sort of a chorus in between each act and, you know, hearing from different voices all across the country. But the documentary series was all self-taped using, I think, just cell phones, which is pretty wild. Like they had their subjects tape themselves, send this footage off, which like from a quarantine standpoint, I love it just it's quarantine creatives, right? It's figuring out how to make the most with what you have 
available to you when you can't travel, when you can't send crews out, all that kind of stuff. So most of these stories were shot over the summer by the people that appear in them. So that's really interesting to me. We talk a lot about that. But Craig was also a producer on the MTV show True Life, which I grew up watching and loved. It was also a documentary series. And it's interesting just how this PBS American portrait, for those of us that are, you know, my generation and grew up on MTV, it's kind of True Life adapted for the place we're at in our life now, which I found fascinating just seeing that overlap. But uh, some of the bigger questions that come up out of it, too, of what does it mean to be an American right now? What is the American dream in 2020, 2021? We're all trying to figure that out. So Craig Dentrone on Thursday show, check that out. Make sure you hit subscribe and you will be one of the first ones to hear about it. And you can get my newsletter. It comes out every Sunday right to your inbox. Go to heathrasella.com and enter your email address there to get on the newsletter list. I'm at Heathrasella on social media. Drop me a line and I will talk to you on Thursday. Stay safe. <laughs>